Thank you guys so much for consuming this podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're all on this journey together, and we really appreciate you taking the time to enjoy it with us. Uh, we want you to be able to share this podcast. Uh, we think there's a lot of messages in here that are translatable to people, whether they be successful in business or whether they're just young and starting out. We really want to share this message. So if you believe in it, we really want you to share it and take pride in becoming part of this community with us. Lots of ways to share, guys. If you really are itching for more information, I know you're all busy, whether you're you know, walking the dog, driving to work, whatever it is, podcast is an amazing way to do it. But if you are itching for more content, we are splicing and doing micro content on various channels like Facebook and Instagram. And we also live stream the podcasts on there as well every Sunday. So please check us out on Facebook, Small Town Wealth, or at Small Town Wealth, Facebook slash Small Town Wealth, and Instagram at Small Town Wealth as well. Just check us out, take a look at what we've got, follow us, leave some comments, like some pictures, and please, please, most importantly, if you truly like what you're listening to, not only refer us to a friend, but please leave a review on either Facebook, Instagram, or just the native platform that you're listening to, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is. It truly will help us out and help us reach the top and more people. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks a lot. What's up, everybody? This is episode eight of the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Our guest for this episode is Ranveer Nahal. Ranveer is the owner of Sunterra Custom Homes, based out of Vernon, BC. Ranveer specializes in West Coast contemporary-style home building and has carved out quite the niche market for himself. Ranveer is also a partner in SOT Developments, and SOT actually means together as a family a building company that specializes in multifamily home construction and affordable housing. Between the two companies, Ranveer has his hands full and has garnered many awards as a result. He's a multi-time Tommy Award-winning builder, the first of which came as a sole proprietorship, which had never been done before. Soon after this accomplishment, Sunterra Custom Homes was born. It is a true one-stop shop for home construction, helping clients make smarter decisions and with more transparency. Ranveer also plays a fundamental role in the annual Bollywood fundraiser for cancer. This year's fundraiser sold over 700 tickets and was completely sold out within only 15 minutes of going live. This is one of the many ways that Ranveer wants to give back to the community that helped raise him. This conversation is about more than just development. It's about the roots of the design process, the deeper goals of a home builder, and the business aspects that play crucial roles in any development company's success. In the forefront of this conversation is a focus on transparency, lifestyle, and true care for clients. We hope you really enjoy this one, guys. Here is our conversation with Ranveer Nahal. Awesome. What's up, Facebook? What's up, Instagram? We got Ranveer Nahal here from Sunterra Custom Homes here in Vernon, BC. How's it going, man? Good, man. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Good to have you on. Good to have you, man. So uh, you've been a big part of the community for a little while now, uh, more, you know, more on the development side, building side. So we always like to start it off with you know, knowing your backstory. You know, how did this all begin? Um, give, people, give people an idea of where you came from. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Um, was born in Clearwater, BC, which, uh, as, as most of you probably know or may not know, it was just outside of Kamloops, BC. It was, uh, it was where my dad had settled at that time, born to immigrant 
uh, parents, of course. My mom and dad are both from India originally. And uh, at that time, when my dad came over from, from India, the opportunities for immigrants were either in agriculture or um, the, the mill industry. So he, he was working at a mill in Clearwater, and, and that's kind of where the story begins. Just keep going. Um, Alarms. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we they moved to Vernon and another opportunity came up for my dad to get employment. At uh, at that time, it was Riverside Forest Products owned by a local uh, family here in Vernon. Gotcha. And uh, so uh, that's where my, my Vernon life started at a very young age. Grew up on Mission Hill, which is uh, at that time was predominantly an East Indian community. That's where we eventually built the, the, the first Vernon Sikh temple. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. you know, actually, let me back up. There, there was a Sikh temple prior to that, but this was the first one that was built locally by the community. Um, and I went to Mission Hill Elementary School with, you know, had a normal childhood. Um, you know, for the most part, I, I think that it wasn't until Mission Hill that I realized that there was a bigger community. Just growing up in such a tight knit community when all of your friends were East Indian, you kind of lived in your own little bubble and uh, started integrating more outside once kindergarten started and so forth. Um, was very blessed to have grown up with a, a close a knit community because I had a lot of my my friends that are still some of my best friends we all grew up together and we all had a similar upbringing that we were all from the same community same culture so we understood the same stuff we understood right, right. what was going on so things that we thought were normal we realized weren't so normal when we started getting uh, friends outside of our community and so forth but um, yeah it, it, it was good you know our parents were hard workers they they didn't have much of a choice I mean they, they did it as a necessity they had to provide for their families and so forth and um that, that's sort of the childhood. Um, I went to W.L. Seton School here in Vernon as well. Um, right. At that time, it was the only high school that was offering uh, ESL, which was English as a second language. Right. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I needed it, but my two older sisters who grew up in India and would later join our family at that time needed to, to learn English. So myself and my best friend uh, ended up going to Seton. Uh, this is where I graduated in 96. Um, again, local, Vernon, stayed here. Went to uh, Okanagan University College, um, but I guess I shouldn't say as most people, but certainly as most of the people in my crowd didn't really have any direction at that time. So I, I wasn't big into academics. I was definitely into sports. Um, played a lot of basketball growing up. Um, you know, growing up with the kids in the in the neighborhood, we played basketball after school all the time. And, uh, you know, kind of just the whole thing was just a fast-paced childhood. Um, went into university without any sort of real direction. And before I knew it, I was working, uh, kind of following my father's footsteps at that time. And I ended up working at Riverside Forest Products, took on a full-time job. Gotcha. And uh, kind of, you know, that was the status quo. Um, but inside of me, I knew that just it just wasn't enough. I, it, I wasn't satisfied. I was making good money. I was able to travel at that time. And, um, you know, through uh, a, a series of uh, blessed events, fortunate events, whatever you want to call it, I was able to receive some mentorship from uh, one of my dad's best friends who um, really saw that I had a, an eye for detail. You know, I had kind of been loosely involved in construction at that time. I, right. My father had built a home. Um, the Sikh temple had been built while we were growing up. And a lot of the Indian community at that time when I was in high school were all kind of moving out of their first homes into their second homes, which were all homes that they wanted to build, more custom houses. Right. 
So I think there was a bit of a shift back at that time where I took a lot of interest in construction. Um, even post high school, my best friend and I would uh, often drive around on a Sunday and just walk in and out of houses that were being built and try to figure out where the kitchen's at. And, and I'd be like, why don't they have a window here? So we kind of really dissect homes being built. You had like early exposure. You were just trying to get a feel for everything, how everything went. Absolutely, absolutely. I was just fascinated. I think what really fascinated me in terms of architecture was was certainly being able to... I remember walking downstairs and my dad was was sitting there in the living room and uh, he had a little piece of paper and he had a, a, a ruler and he was actually drawing a house. So I found it really, okay. you know, I found it really interesting. I asked him what he was doing, and he said, "Well, he was, he was designing a house." And I really, know, I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "Well, you just draw it on a piece of paper, and then one day you build it." So I mean, <laughs> keeps simp- it simple. He kept it simple, and uh, you know, I, I still think to this day it should be simple. I think that we, you know, tend to tend to make things busier and uh, more complicated than they need to be. But certainly that is sort of the first um, memory I have of the process of construction is you start with something as a concept, as a, as a, as a vision and you put it on paper, which I guess is really what they say in life. That's where everything should start. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of how the construction side started. Um, in 2006, I had put in probably about, I would say eight years full time at uh, Riverside Forest Products. And that was when I was, uh, no, sorry, 2006, I was approached by my dad's best friend and he asked if I wanted to to do something with some of the money I was making instead of traveling and spending it all the time. And I said, well, you know, what are your thoughts? He suggested that I buy a piece of property. Um, Didn't really know how the process worked. And I said, well, you know, we're looking at uh, building lots um, overlooking Cal Lake at that time. We're anywhere between 45 and 60,000, believe it or not. No way. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, man. Absolutely. Should have bought a dozen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. And um, so he, he explained to me how a line of credit worked that I didn't necessarily need to have the 60,000. I just needed to have a job and a little bit of money for a down payment. And I would own a piece of property. So I remember buying that in 2006. Um, fast forward to 2008, you know, I think he really wanted me to learn how to manage money was sort of the first lesson there. Two years later, he approached me again and said, well, why don't you build on that land? And I said, you know, said the same thing I said the first time. I don't got the money to build on. And he said, well, it works the same way. You don't need to have the money. You just need to have a job. So right, he kind of explained right. how leveraging works. And uh, three months later, we were building a house on the lot. So that house was built and closed would be my first project. So I think that would have been 2007, 2008. And uh, really enjoyed the process. I mean, I I drove to Vancouver and a few subdivisions that I liked, saw an exterior of a house that I liked, took a few pictures of it and just kind of reworked the inside uh, with a local architect at that time. And um, I would say after living in that house for a year, I put it on the market and uh and it sold it it was at that time the highest selling house on a high side lot in Coldstream you know for a non non waterfront property so that was kind of exciting That's I, great. I yeah no appreciate that I, I enjoyed the process I, I wanted to do it again I wanted to be better I knew I did I did I did a lot of things wrong and I was like okay I got to do this again there was a fire there there, there was a fire there so yeah. certainly at that point um it was another one of those sunday drives that my best friend and I were taking we drove up to a a subdivision called Beverly Hills Estates in Vernon, which was uh, one of the, the fancier subdivisions at that time. It was gated, one acre, and so forth. And gotcha. um, walked, and uh, there was a piece of property there for sale. And, um, you know, called my realtor and had an offer in on it by the end of the weekend and started designing another house. Um, this time I designed a much bigger house, a little more Mediterranean uh, than, than Santa Fe, the first one was. 
and um, just, you know, tried to do all of the things right that I had done wrong last time. Um, but ultimately, just, just super excited about the process again and how I could be better at it. Built that house, and um, about a year later, I would list that house. Um, this was kind of when the market was really just blowing up in the Okanagan. A lot of the Albertans were looking in this area to buy summer homes, and um, th- things were happening. The Okanagan was, was very similar to what it's doing today. And today's market. Is this 2008, 9 this, sort of? It's 2007, time? 2008. Yeah. Um, there were some signs that things might start plateauing a little bit. Um, I mean, Vernon, I think, led the, I think at one point led the country in um, price increases for home values, wow. I think, during that time. There's a there period of time there increases. where they were, yeah, they were, Vernon was doing very well. Um, I listed the house at that po- uh, that time, um, went into work. Work now, so I was still working at the mill. So now I'm, I'm getting close to about 10 years at the mill and I'm doing construction on weekends and after work on the sides just to try to, you know, try to learn and get better at what I'm doing. I had also taken on a, uh, a custom home build for a family friend of ours, um, really charged no fee, just really needed to get something rolling at that time. Right. You're trying to gain experience, essentially. I'm trying to gain experience. Yeah. You know, I'd written or I had, I had read a book by Pratt. Pat Crochet, who uh, later on would go on to buy the the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm not sure if you know who that is or not. Interesting. That's cool. It's it's an amazing book. I don't remember the name of the book, but it was, you know, what really stuck out to me is that his his real core belief was that if you're going to be successful and you believe you're going to be successful, just pursue your dreams. Everything else will fall in place. He wanted to be a physiotherapist, but he wanted to work with uh, star athletes. He wanted to be the best of the best at what he did. So he couldn't get a job at the biggest um, firm at that time. So he volunteered his time there just to get his foot in the door. Within about a year, he had a job. Within about two years, he owned the place. And within about, I think, four years, he owned a chain of these across the states. Crazy. So I really caught on to the concept of this is what I want to do. I got to put in some time for free. Yeah. That was really what I learned from that. And so I did that. And even uh, you know, until this day, my, my very first website that we had done was paid for my, with my holiday pay at the mill. And the, uh, the first three homes on my website were two of them were mine and one was one that I built for free for a friend. You know, for a family friend. So yeah. it, it's interesting now that you've asked the question. I'm kind of going through the steps. but uh, Totally. So 2008, I end up selling that house. Um, you know, an NHL player actually knocks on the door and says, I like your house. It, it was already listed. Um, by the by, the end of the weekend, we had a deal in place. Um, my first, you know, over a million dollars was the sale at that time. Which you know, was pretty big for around that time cer- as well. Certainly it was. I mean, there would have been only been a handful of houses in Vernon for a million dollars at that time. Yeah. And this was definitely one of them. And um, it sold. And uh, it was at a time where the market was at its peak. Um, from there, a lot of avenues opened. I mean, financially, the pressure was off. Um, I no longer needed to be working the the two jobs. And um, even, even when I was on my exit from the mill, I was putting in about 40 hours on Saturdays and Sundays, um, including overtime. And then I would go build homes for five days. So I was going hard for seven days. Wow. And I remember sitting there after reaching a deal with, um, it was Chuck Kobus who was the buyer of the house. He played for the wow. Calgary Flames yeah, at the absolutely. time. And so I remember at that time sitting at home about to go to the mill. I was working graveyard shifts. So I would start at... Um, 12 a.m. and I would work until 12 p.m. the next day, uh, Friday and Saturday till Sunday. And I remember sitting there thinking, what am I doing? I, I, I got to pursue this. So I, I gave my notice the day my house sold, two weeks, and um, and never looked back in terms of that career and uh, have been involved in construction and development since. And um, that's sort of the, the, the process of getting here. 
So did that start with Sunterra then? Like you started Sunterra in that 2009-2010? That's right. So prior to starting Sunterra, I had um, the the house that, the subject house that we're referring to, um, I actually ended up going into the uh, the Tommy Awards. And at that time, I actually didn't even have a business name. So I, I was the first time that anybody's ever entered the Okanagan Housing Awards as a sole proprietorship. Cause I didn't have a business name. So I, I figured if I want to, and, and we won. So I go up and I, wow. you know, I take the trophy and I'm looking at all these builders that are you know, about 20 years older than I am. Yeah. And the first thought I had after winning it was I need a business name. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. <laughs> so, need some brand awareness. I need some brand awareness. <laughs> so it was the year after. So I would say 2008 was um, 2008, 2009 was when uh, Sentara was was uh, incorporated. Where did that name come from? You know, Sentara, it's it's interesting. We just had an article recently published in Build Home Magazine, which, um, you know, one, one of the jokes leading up to this is everyone's always said, you know, does Sentara stand for Son of Terra? Because my dad's name is Tara. So okay. they're always like, Son of Tara, makes sense. But no, Sentara was actually a Latin, it's Latin, it's got some Latin roots to it, but actually it's kind of like earth and ground. It, it yeah. sort of has that sort of the, that side of things. And, um, you know, I it, at that time I was really into, um, and I still am, I was really into energy and balancing and I actually needed a name that was, that I felt was balanced. Right. So I actually had a company out of Vancouver that specialized in balancing names, uh, helped me with the name. That's awesome. Yeah. So that that's how the name came about, and that was the the start of Sentara. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So, what kind of homes were you building right off the bat? Because I know you've moved towards that contemporary style, but how did you start? I, you know, t- truthfully, I took on anything I can get. Is how I started. Right. Um, I definitely knew the direction that I wanted to go, but I also knew I wasn't in a position where I could where I could kind of only demand that we only build those houses so i mean gotcha, certainly gotcha. that was the start of okay this is where we're going whether it's two years or five years or ten years this is the goal point so that was the start of that direction we took on sort of any sort of builds we can get at that time i got a job as a project manager um, for seasons in the okanagan which was a development of 100 homes and um, was project managing as well as, as constructing homes on the side we took what we can get um, it wasn't until about 2000 and 12, I would say that uh, a decision was made in terms of, okay, you know what, we've, we've earned our stripes and now we're going to go for a particular architectural style. Right. So you were yeah. trying to carve out a niche at this point. Is that yeah. because of your love for it or you saw a point in the market where it was like there was a, there's actually a big market for this and no one's actually specializing in it from here? Or was you know, that a combination of both? Um, I would say at that that time, uh, it was definitely my my drive was my drive came from my passion for modern homes, West Coast contemporary. At that time, I was a little still new in the business game. I don't think I was thinking, okay, this is the future of the Okanagan at that time. But certainly, I wanted it to be the future of Sunterra. Um, I think uh, within a year, I really started realizing that that was actually the future of the Okanagan. So right. I, I think there was a little bit of a blessing in there, a little bit of a luck, a little bit of luck in there. But, you know, luck favors the well-prepared as well. I think exactly. that we were in a position when modern became the thing that our portfolio was already catered in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. So you gained a lot of business just from the fact that you were prepared. Uh, absolutely. I built a show. Well, I built a home to live in, which became a show home up at Adventure Bay here in Vernon, B.C., of course. Um, that would have been in 2000 and. 
2013. And at that time, the market still hadn't fully recovered. Um, that home that I lived in became the show home for Adventure Bay. A lot okay. of clients came through there. It was certainly cutting edge. It was very modern. Uh, and that led to probably about six to eight builds were, uh, that came out of that particular style. And all over Vernon or just predominantly in Adventure Bay area? I would say predominantly Adventure Bay, but certainly all over Vernon. Uh, right. We started getting noticed by a few clients that were wanting to build on the waterfront. And uh, that's kind of really the start of that momentum was to kind of make the decision to build a modern home, um, the decision to, to focus on that style. And then, of course, the market being open to that particular architectural style. So what? Uh, in what ways did you have to prepare? Like if you're, you know, Say you're a builder that's just doing craftsman style homes. What is some of the, or what are some of the practical steps that you have to take to gear yourself towards the West Coast Contemporary? And what are like some pros and cons of that build style that you found? You know, that's a great question. Uh, in terms of the the things that you have to be prepared, it's it's really interesting because because modern architecture demands history as well. You can't. It's not only about the future products as much as it's the timeless classic products that are still doing well. You know the the metals, the elements, the glass, the rock, the concrete, um, windows, floor to ceiling. This stuff has been around well before me, and um, okay. so you you need to know the history of modern. So to be a good modern builder, you need to know where where it came from, and then equally important, I think, is the future of modern. So we were use, we're using products that typically most other builders are not using yet. We try to stay ahead of it. We don't want to go too far ahead that we lose the history of modern either. Okay. You know, there's a lot of new products that are coming on board that are meant to mimic old products but are maintenance-free. So something like that is, is a smoother transition. Right. Um, but, you know, concrete is concrete, and those things are timeless. So you got to always find the balance of where that style came from as much as where that style is going. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I could kind of notice that they were they were coming in, like that style was coming in, and I love it because it's all clean lines mm-hmm. and the flat roofs. It's a totally different architecture style, but man, people are really, really coming on to it now. And it's not even just with the homes, it's in, in the multifamily stuff as well, that contemporary style's coming in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're, you're right. I think what it is, we've got a, I mean, the Okanagan, logistically, we're, we're perfectly set up for modern. You know, we've got the the lake views, we got the trees, we got the hills, we got the acreages, we've got everything that allows you to kind of take advantage of the views, open concept living, um, multi-faceted, multi-level houses. So we're we're right in the perfect area, topography-wise, to where modern houses need to be, um, first and foremost. But also, what's happening is I think people. It's also a demographical change. Like the the generation that we're building for is is my my current generation you know a lot of uh, people that kind of stayed in vernon that now own businesses are financially in a situation where they'd like to build and they grew up in traditional or craftsman homes but always kind of watched you know miami vice or some of these movies that were on where you'd always fall in love with that one modern home and you'd be like oh that's amazing that's super cool yeah that is now here you know, yeah. people are building houses that look similar to what they look like when we grew up watching these movies. And and I think that uh, so that that generation loves modern. A lot of the clients coming in from the from Vancouver proper, from Toronto proper, Calgary, Edmonton, they seem to have a love for modern. Um, for a lot of them, it's usually one or the other. Either they've always lived in a modern home and they fell in love with it or they just want change and they've always loved modern but always lived in a craftsman or traditional home. So they want to branch out. They want to branch out. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Can, 
can you walk us through the process like just briefly of like somebody coming to you this is what i want and then all the way till shovel goes in the ground until it builds up to their dream yeah yeah that's a good question actually yeah, yeah great question yeah absolutely so um typically right now we're, we're averaging uh two to three leads a week um which is a lot of, yeah. of leads but of course you know the market's doing great a lot of people are kind of making that making that change so what we'll do is typically we will email the lead back um, kind of see where they're at how serious they are in terms of the process um, these days everyone wants a home now like it's kind of the now market we're dealing with a lot of people are selling in Vancouver to properly get out of Vancouver you got to leave Vancouver if you're buying right back in you, the money's not necessarily made anymore right so the process with us is typically we'll meet with the clients um, you know we'll take notes find out um, why they chose to come to Sunterra. That's usually the first step. Because a lot of times if they reference uh, a few of our homes, you know, they might say, you know, we, we were on your website and we saw the Adventure Bay Glass House. Or we saw Waterscape. So a lot of times they'll start with a particular home that they like. So that'll already allow us as a team to kind of get a, a feel for the direction they're going. We'll make notes of square footages. We'll we'll have a very open and candid conversation about budget, which is really critical. I find budget is one of those things that clients typically want to hang on to tight. And as a home builder that's been doing this for about 12 years, I tell them, look, the cost is the cost. When you build this on Terra, we have a very transparent process. So you need to be very upfront with what that budget is so that we can help achieve that budget. Um, one of the most difficult things I face as a home builder is when a set of clients have worked with an architect or design firm outside of myself or, or our team, I should say, they've purchased a, pro a property already and then they're approaching the builder. Um, what happens in this particular case is they've got a budget they know, they've got a set of drawings that you know they've fallen in love with and they have a piece of property they fall in love with. The disconnect becomes that the person that did the drawings may not know enough about construction costs that he didn't give them any guidance in terms of we need to peel your drawings back. So right, so there's a disconnect. There's, there. there's a disconnect there. So that is the most difficult thing to deal with because now I've got to sit there with the client and say that your drawings are nowhere close to your budget. Right. And so you know, and now they're already attached to it. So I, I could, you know, you know, taking my, my Santera hat off, putting my client hat on, I can understand their position that in a market where most builders are charging cost plus and, and fixed prices, they don't want to necessarily commit to a builder. They want to go through the process and then have the ability to tender out drawings. Totally understand that uh, part of it, but then the risk they run is not having guidance from somebody who's, who is an expert on the construction side. Right, right. So the architect is not exactly consulting too well with the building costs, and, That's right. and it can happen vice yeah. versa. Do you have do you have architects in in house, like in your in your own firm, or are you guys just the builder side? We we do. Uh, that's part of what we do as an organization. Uh, we do have a, a a tech that works with us full time. Okay. Um, she's she's on staff, so, and we also work with several other design firms in the Okanagan. We we tend not to want to um, you know bottleneck our, our clients into working with just our drafts person. Yeah. Um, we like to have flexibility in this market, in this business. If I've got a client that needs a set of drawings now, they're going to probably come in-house. If they say that they've got a window they don't need to start building till September, then they might go to Uprise Design or, or 925 Design or one of the other groups that we're working with. Yeah. So now... Okay, so let's let's fast forward then. They've let's say they've got the drawings. It's okay with you. It lines up with their budget now. With 
with that, do you have pieces of land that you guys already have? Does the client usually already have those pieces of land? They say, oh, I have this land already. I want to build on this. Or do you go shopping from there? It, it's really a combination. We have. Um, I, it's hard to say. It could even be as much as a third across the board, where okay. a third of them have land and they want us to help design a house for that land. Some of them come to us and have a concept of what they want for a home. But we need a pool. We need a, a three-car garage. Can you help us find the land? In which case, we'll help them find the right land. Um, and then the third one is that you know they're looking at one or two lots and they want us to narrow them down based on that. So it's I wouldn't say there's any one particular avenue on that side. Okay. Yeah. Well, just for example, like Ramdra and I have mutual clients as well. So I had clients approach me that were referrals from Penticton, and they I knew what they wanted. They wanted the West Coast contemporary style. So Ramdra actually came out to that piece of land. They hadn't purchased it yet. But they were like, oh, we want to do this, we want to do this. So I had me meet up so that I could give the real estate side. But Randir also has a lot of the real estate side, but he's the builder and, and the construction side. So I had to have him come out and then he can you know, tally up the building costs. Not just that, but the site prep. Because a lot of these lots, um, this particular one was in Adventure Bay. Some of those site prep costs can be pretty high. Yeah. So you know, if you, you're factoring in just a foundation and a home, mm-hmm. it doesn't always take into account the, just getting that foundation ready. Right. So we just worked together, made sure that it was feasible on his side, and then we, we made the purchase with the clients. So I, I don't know. I guess that's only still only a third of of the of the market, right? Yeah, definitely. It's that it's that combination, and um, it, it's really important. Uh, I think what's happening right now with the recent building costs going up as fast as they've gone in the last two years, the the questions that developers are getting right now aren't necessarily what is. I mean, of course, they need to know what the land costs, but people are more interested in the finished cost. Therefore, a lot of developers will kind of keep an arm's length away a a builder that they work with that they can call and say, look, I've got a client that has an overall budget of like this year's number seems to be around the 800,000 mark. If you want a brand new house and you want you want it to be modern, you know, that seems to be the number most people are coming with. From that point, it goes up. Um, you know, we've got several million dollar homes under construction right now. So everybody has their own budget. But that I would say that most people will come and say, you know what, we have a number and we need to stay within this number. And then a lot of times we'll say, OK, for me as a builder, I'll say, well, this is going to be a ballpark of uh, your cost per square foot. If you want a house that's going to be 2,200 square feet, that times that is X. X is now this is what you have left for your land. Can we buy land for two hundred to three hundred thousand? Because anything that goes beyond that, you're gonna have to start giving up more of what you want in your home. See, that's one of the first things I've always said to a client is, you know, they say, Can you build me a house for four hundred thousand? And and they might be joking. My answer is yes, I can. But you're only going to get a four hundred thousand dollar house for four hundred thousand. Yeah. So you know, can I build you a seven hundred thousand dollar house for four hundred? That I can't do. I'll laugh with you on that one. So the it's the key is to work with somebody that understands cost and design, and be transparent about your budget so that you can you got a better chance together of achieving that final number. So how much of your business success do you think stems not only from? your interest in the architecture right from the very beginning the design process but also in managing expectations i would say a large portion of it and that is something i as a builder as a business owner have learned over time of course you know not managing expectations with clients was something that was really frustrating for both some of our earlier clients and and ourselves as builders so you, you know when you're in the market this long and if you want to truly grow your business you're going to listen to everybody whether you like what they're saying or not. 
And I think over the years, kind of just taking in all the information is where I realized, okay, if we want to be the best at what we do, we got to hear out the people that are not happy. And that was, I think, was something that we've really been worked hard at. And the last three years, I think, has been probably the the biggest fundamental change is that our our program entire model that we run is very transparent to reduce uh, any sort of problems down the road. Even our uh, cost estimating sheets are as much as, uh, you know, not you know, every builder has their own model. There's a lot of amazing builders, so I'm not saying anything against any other builders. Um, I just, for our side, what we want to do is offer transparency. Okay. You know, where some, you know, I've seen some builders provide a summary sheet for construction cost of 20 to 30 line items, which means this is what your house is going to cost. Ours is 700. We, we count everything in a house. Like down to the very, like, you know, just light fixtures and everything. Absolutely. Down to the light fixtures, down to how many knobs you have, down to how many um, how many hinge stops you have. Um, everything right. is on the spreadsheet. What it does is it allows for accountability to be both ways, not just on the builder. This way, the okay. clients are just as responsible within reason to stay on budget as the builder is, is providing the budget. Right. So if a client is going to go out and shopping for light fixtures and we've got a budget in their dining room light, which would clearly say $600, and they decide to pick one for 1800 then they know what the difference is right there immediately. Right. So you're, you're not only like managing the expectations, you're actually giving the clients a control mechanism. Absolutely. That must make it a lot more gratifying for the clients. Have you had people come to you and say, look, this process has been so much different than, than other ones that we've dealt with? Like, do you get a lot of that? We, we do. I mean, there, there's different levels to measure. I mean, we've got a client we're, we're building for for the third time. So they've seen our company grow. Right. And it's been really interesting just to talk to them kind of after hours and say, hey, what do you guys think of this and this? And they're like, they're, they're very impressed with how far we've come as a company because they were there when we were starting. They were there in the middle when we had sort of restructured. And now they're there when we're, we're thriving. Right. So now based on that, then, like, do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of things you've seen? Because you've clearly been in the business for, you know, a little bit over 10 years now. So talk about a little bit of the changes that you've seen based down to, like, architecture. Maybe some of the drawings are now going more digital. The programs are getting more advanced. Um, just in general, like, what kind of changes have you seen that have maybe eased the process with technology? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, I don't even know where to start, but that's a great question. But in, in, totally. in that uh, 10 years, and I'm still a little old school myself, when I do a takeoff, I still like to measure the drawings, the, the paper drawings. Yeah. But there's, there's programs out there like PlanSwift where you do all of your measurements online. Everything is there. Quoting is is tendering is easy. Some of the design software we recently had um, just built a house for a client by the name of Brett Reader. I'm not sure if you know that he's a he's a downhill biker um, okay, out yeah. of Toronto. You know, really really good guy. But he designed his entire house on SketchUp, and then he brought it to us, and then we went and uh, worked with the draftsperson, and and ultimately that is his house. So there's a client that is this the younger generation millennial and he designs his house gives it you know basically skips that process that would have never been the case 10 years ago they would have had to go through so many different like avenues and other a- absolutely and, and most likely you know he would have had a hard time of taking what was in his vision and being able to pass that on to the drafts person whereas now he can play with his vision on an ipad until he gets it yeah right. exactly so that makes a huge difference um even things like um you know recently we've started um reaching out to some of the suppliers directly i mean the way things are happening right now i would say the the you know if i was in the flooring or lighting industry i'd be concerned 
you know, with, with the, the type of customer service that these places are offering online and more and more clients going where the savings are and, and shipping coming, you know, if as fast or if not faster than some of the light, you know, the lighting stores in town can order the lights. So I would say about three years ago, 80% of our clients started buying lights online. And this year, clients are buying flooring online. You know, so as as that trend grows, I think that I you know ten years ago that would have never been the case. Right. People were still you know you know people are still worried about was well, are they going to show up broken? What's going to happen? But customer service has become so good. I hate to say this, but unfortunately, it's become better in some cases than if I s- send one of my clients from Vancouver or Calgary that have sort of the city mentality and they're going in. You know, and they don't necessarily always feel like they're getting the same level of customer service because, you know, a lot of people working there may not have the same life experiences. So, you know, all of that feedback comes back to us as builders as well, too, because we're dealing with clients that have different expectations, different life experiences from different cities and different centers. So I think that, uh, you know, the future of buying is changing rapidly. More and more things are going online. More and more people, clients are comfortable buying those things online. Um, so that uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that that's been kind of amazing. Um, what else is changing? I mean, there there's some of the programs now. Like we got 3D software where I can pull out an right. iPad with the client and literally place furniture right on their living room so they know what it's going to look like. I've got a project, AR, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. VR has been massive. Um, even this program that we use now uh, with Uprise Design Bimex. Uh, uh, building, oh, I don't know what it's called, better building. I'm not quite sure what it stands for, but uh, ultimately with even that, you can place all of your trees that are within view on your property, the full topo, and you could actually see what each tree is going to look like from every angle of your house. It's pretty phenomenal. So it's, it's, getting, it's getting more and more exciting. Uh, it is. It's allowing for my clients to be at greater distances and not feel like they are. I've got a set of clients, you know, where yeah, a chiropractor from England just flew in, met with them this weekend, but he's he's in England. We're building his house out here. We've, most of our clients are in Vancouver or, or Calgary. I've got clients in Toronto. You know, we, I will FaceTime clients. That wasn't happening 10 years ago. Right. You know, I'll walk around the site in the evening when the sun's coming down and call a client in Winnipeg and see, look how beautiful your view is this time of the day. So do you... Now, I'm going to go super rogue with this question, but okay. do you think about what the future might look like in 10, 15, 20 years, like with things like VR coming where people, we might be at the point where they're not even putting on headsets, they're putting on contact lenses. Do you think about maybe what that's going to do to your business? Like first thing that comes to mind for me is like another stream of revenue for you guys could be building custom homes in VR. So some like, for example, if Shelby wants to live in Los Angeles, he can live physically in Vernon, but in VR, you guys can build him a home on the Malibu coast and he can put on his contact lenses and live in that home. That's interact futuristic, with it. man. That's futuristic. I, I like where your mind goes though. I like it, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like your thinking. Cool. Um, uh, do I all the time, uh, not necessarily the same thoughts that you just had, although that's a very valid avenue or channel um i do i get excited i I get really excited about what the future of technology is going to do for for building um i'm starting to see some some of the old school builders make comments about not liking it you know they don't want to change like and i still think that i'm somewhere in the middle like there's still a lot of up-and-coming builders that i see now that you know they're probably more savvy on the tech side than i am and that's okay as well too i mean the the key is i guess is to surround yourself as a builder with 
a team that is taking advantage of all aspects of what you do. Um, one of the things that we are doing, you know, within our, our organization, which is already kind of looking into the future, is I had a meeting with one of the, uh, the towel suppliers from Vancouver. And uh, typically they, they deal directly with um, a lot of the flooring stores here in town. And I just said to him, look, I just need three or four stock tiles that are going to be X amount of dollars. I'm going to buy them from you directly. And, uh, you know, basically five years from now, I might be your biggest client, you know, like, cause yeah. the, a lot of these bricks and mortar stores are, they're running a risk right now. And I, and you know, not, not against anything in anyone's business. Everyone works hard towards what they do, but I think all of us in any business need to be worried about, not even worried. We need to be conscious and mindful of where the future is going. Yeah. yeah. Because it's going more and more direct to consumer, the middleman, yeah. like, I mean, in years of years back, the states back decades is like mm-hmm. the amount of middle middle people that all get their cut before it finally yeah. goes to the end consumer. It's getting chopped down. Yeah. I mean, things like like you were saying, people are going more online. The internet is becoming the middleman, yeah. and it's just yeah. Yeah. it's it's yeah. siphoning all these people out. So, I mean, from what I'm hearing for you guys, it's mainly how can how can you guys stay different from that? Is trying to add more value uh, to basically show people that it is valuable to work with you yeah. guys. It is yeah. valuable to still have you because, you know, who knows where technology goes. Technology could build an, there could be a company that builds an app. You guys could build an app that allows the customer to basically build their own home. They yeah. pay a subscription or something like that. They build their own home in, in virtual reality and then they they, they send, plop, send they plop it down. They yeah. send you the design or maybe yeah. they just go directly to the suppliers. The suppliers yeah. are on there on the, yeah on the app and they're like okay i'm gonna get my flooring from here gonna get that from there and then Mm -hmm. they plop their house and they they hook up with a builder who can actually make it happen and all the pieces are done for you guys yeah it's very it's very realistic anything can happen Um, one of the things that we've done is as again as a construction group is we've brought a lot of things in-house because i think the key the the other thing that um you know just now that we're on that topic but just in general the okanagan is doing well but i think what um what we need to be mindful of is that Calgary isn't doing so well right now. Alberta isn't, you know, so what's going to happen is a lot of these home builders that are out in that direction, I think they're going to be looking to head out to the Okanagan as more and more people find this area desirable. So even as home builders here in the Okanagan, we run the risk of some of these big box organizations like the big builders coming and setting up shop. And there's two and they have ways. A lot more money behind them. Too. They have a lot more money. They have more organization and structure behind them. Right. Um, I mean, the facts are the facts. Um, at the end of the day, the, the what they don't necessarily have behind them is the loyalty of the trades. So I think gotcha. it, the key is to is to work well, is to be organized, um, or you do run the risk of other people taking your work. And I mean, it's like that in any business, really. Even even some of the builders that are coming from from Vancouver or Calgary, even Vancouver. I mean, we could touch upon that. I mean, there's no such thing as a small builder in Vancouver. You got to have deep pockets to be able to do spec building. So, you know, a, a four to five million and you may not be able to get your foot in the door in Vancouver four to five million you're a mid-sized builder in the Okanagan overnight right so you know so people aren't mindful of what can happen then they're not going to be prepared for what will happen and I think ultimately if you're coming from Calgary well there's two there's two ways to be successful in the Okanagan or, or most of these industries I guess in in a smaller town like here one of them could be is that you do it you know from the ground up Basically, you you create your your clients. Um, you you have a reputation as a local builder, and throughout the years, you become the go-to builder. Or you come and you buy the whole neighborhood, and you're the only builder. So even if right. you know, so you, you gotta always be careful of what options other people have. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Where have you seen people coming in from Vancouver or Calgary, the builders coming here? What are some things that they maybe, uh, that, that you see that they miss? That they miss? Yeah. Just things that they're, you know, not necessarily aware of. Because obviously there's there's little nuances that can happen in these types of markets, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good question. I, I Nothing, some of them don't miss anything. Some of them are on point, right? So right. none of this They've is researched. Against, some, some of these guys are, they're, they're where they are because of the, the mistakes they made and, the, and all the rights they've done since. Right. Um, but for myself, I think that one of the things that we want to do as, as Santerra, as, as local builders, is, is that human connection with our clients. Okay. You know, a lot of times if it's a, a big builder coming out of uh, one of the big box offices, they may have site supers you may you may only meet the owner once if ever or you may always only meet the project manager and that's it for for ourselves i mean with santera it, it they clients know who they're getting they of course there's a team involved um but th- our first meeting with our clients once we're going to do a build is they meet the entire team they know that if there's an accounting question this is who you talk to this is the name and place if there's a project manager question if there's an interior design if there's um, a general question then they call me so we set those expectations on day one we sit in the in a room with our clients and introduce them to everybody and and it's like any other business you know our project managers they uh they have a family to go home to they're they're doing totally. their so out of respect for everybody's time i think in in home building you have to be really careful because most of our clients are doing their nine to five during the day and they want to talk house after five o'clock mm. as, as as a business owner i get that i'm, I'm okay with it but i got to be careful that the rest of the team doesn't have to continue to take work home with them. I mean, for me, that's part of what I signed up for. Totally. So I think, you know, the risks there. I know the, exactly. So I think that is always key is just to kind of, you know, have those expectations set early, but I think some of those things, but you still need to have that channel. And I think with some of the bigger companies, a lot of that personal side of things is starts to slide a little bit. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now I've noticed with, this whole story and everything like that, everything that you've gone through, everything that you've been through, you didn't actually leave Vernon at all. You've been here since the beginning. What kind of, you know, drove that? What what made you want to stay and not move? You know, that's, uh, it's interesting you picked up on that. I, I could, I could really chalk it off to, you know, growing up as, um, you know, this is interesting. I have no problem being transparent or vulnerable. I think growing up as sort of an alpha male in Vernon, you kind of were the man. You had a lot of the friends growing up. And then, you know, a lot of your friends kind of grow up and go to school. Well, you didn't really pay attention to academics at that time. So you kind of get left in a zone where you're kind of stuck deciding, okay, what do I want to do? And if you haven't got the school background, um, then the, the next drive is, okay, well, do you, do you want to travel? And I never really had that bug in me. If I traveled for periods of time, but I never really wanted to travel the world with, with a backpack. That wasn't my thing. Right. And so I think there was a period of time where I struggled. I, I didn't know if I wanted to stay in Vernon. I had lost all of my friends to Vernon. Uh, and when I say that, let me back it up. Basically what it was was a lot of my closest friends growing up that didn't pursue academics also had to leave here for employment opportunities. Um, so for me, that wasn't the thing. I had a job at Riverside. So I was making, you know, good money, making a living. So I kind of just stuck it out. Um, there was also sort of this, um, you know, this developer one time said to me, you know, and I, and I kind of thought about it. He goes, and I said to him, why Vernon? You know, why? And he said, you know what, I, I get an opportunity to kind of, said I could be a big fish in a small pond here. And, and I really thought about it. And I kind of liked the feeling of it, of being able to set yourself up where your roots already are. You have an opportunity now 
to finally get a lot of those networks that you knew from 10, 15, 20 years ago, they're all in positions now where they're buying or they have friends coming here. And, and all of a sudden, you, it's kind of that anytime you put sweat equity, anytime you put any sort of a, a vision into any one thing, you hit a point where you start seeing the residual. And I think that's where it is for us. So being from the community, staying in the community, and um, you know, I'm turning 40 this year, all of a sudden, the abundance of, of people that know you, that believe in what you're doing, that have seen you grow as a company, it, it's really rewarding. So I stayed here because I had a good job. Um, and then now I couldn't see myself leaving. So I think I fought the hard time. And I think if, if a lot of people in Vernon, um, even now, I have some of my best friends saying we want to come back. You know, they, they've, they've gone and done the city thing and now they want to come back. They, they miss the childhood that we had, the ability to, you know, we, this is before Nintendos and all of that stuff. You know, yeah, we ran, totally. a, ran around. I just recently spent the weekend in Nelson and there's a movie store. You could rent movies and the, and the lady dropped off a movie and Still? they had like a conversation with the guy that behind the till about That's the crazy. movie. And I'm like, when does this stuff happen anymore? Yeah, so yeah. I'm starting to see this a big shift and the amount of people that are coming to the Okanagan and the mindset they have, they want to leave the city. And I'm seeing a lot of people from the Okanagan saying this is becoming a bit too city that are starting to head out towards the interior, towards like the Kootenays and Nelson and that area. So I think we all we all get to a point in our career or in our lives where, you know, certain things that mattered matter again. Because somewhere in the middle, we lost lost what that was that mattered. And I think as that happens, you realize, OK, this is where I want to be. Like, I, I want my kids to grow up in Vernon. So you've planted your roots here, and, yeah. and you're happy here. You can't see yourself anywhere anywhere else. So, like, why don't you walk us through what Sunterra looks like today? We've we've had a lot of backstory. We, we know a little bit. We Conceptually, we know where you want to go in the future. You're, you're on top of that. But, you know, what are you doing now with Sunterra? How many projects do you have on the go? Tell us about your, uh, uh, your, your team that you have. Just tell us about the landscape. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Sunterra. So what what it is is there's there's multiple offices. Um, so Sunterra uh, Custom Homes is is my own my own company. I've got um, I've got a business partner who's a, a lawyer in town as well too, Harpreet Nahal. Okay. Who owns Lake City Law, and um, basically we together also own a uh, development company called Sot Developments. Um, we're also owners of uh, Mod Trend Exteriors, which is an exterior company here based in Vernon as well. Um, collectively, between him and myself, we're at uh, 32 full-time employees. Okay. Uh, any given time out in the field between subcontractors and so forth, I would say that we've got about 100 to 120 people working on our sites to some capacity every day. Right. So that's still people that you have to manage on some level. Absolutely. We've yeah. got project managers and sub trades and so forth. Um, we're, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a family is what it is. It's a, it's a growing company. And this was within a period of two years. So in 24 months, that's kind of what's happened for us. That's really cool. Um, we're, we're, we're highly driven. Um, but, you know, our drive is not financial. We're, we're driven to surround ourselves with a company that's going to work for both of us and give us the lifestyle and sort of flexibility that we both want in, in the future, which is to spend more time with family, really. So what we've done is we've created um, SOT Developments, which actually stands for um, Together. That's what it means. Okay. And, and that's what that means. And uh, through through the two years, we've been uh, able to pull some family together. We've got probably four to five family members that are working with us full time now. 
and that was sort of always the idea of what we did and uh the company has grown because of the um the ability to bring in the right people that do what they do best and just run with it right so you were able to help out your family but also bringing in family members that could actually provide value to your companies Uh, absolutely it it, uh it's like the key to any negotiation has to be a win-win it's the key to any business it has to be a win-win your customers got to win but you got to win as a business owner as well too and i think that uh We've managed to create that culture uh, within two years, and uh, people have caught caught on to what we're doing. We've got friends and family that are reaching out to, to invest in our projects that are saying, look, you know what, maybe we can come back to the Okanagan. Maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll come back and take a, a more of a relaxed job and start investing with you guys. So that could be our, our, our income on the side. So it's really opened a lot of different channels. Um, to kind of back up for Santera, I think Santera would probably be about 10 full-time employees right now. Okay. So we've got full design center in-house is what we have for our clients. We've got uh, full-time logistics managers and tendering. Uh, we do tendering all day uh, just to kind of keep all of our jobs going, uh, okay. keep things moving, sign-offs and scheduling. We've got office managers and project managers on the field, and um, it's just it's there's a lot of moving parts. It's a machine. It's a it's a machine, and um, it's it's fun. It's it's really fun. You know, we're we're getting a lot of leads, and we're getting a lot of great builds, and we've had some of the best clients we've ever had these last few years, and so everything is headed in the right direction. Uh, We are in construction. We are in the Okanagan, so. We do have a business that is scalable, you know, yeah. and depending on how things go, then we can scale back and peel back. Um, but, um, you know, that that's where we're at today uh, in terms of the future of um, where we're going. The future of First Santera is going to be continue to become, you know, better at what we do. I mean, we're here because we're getting better every year at what we do. Um, continue to help clients design homes. I, th- I think that's still where my passion lies. I still like to be the first person to help sit down with the clients and help design their home. Uh, we have several clients now that leave us with the budget and say surprise us. You know, almost like a move that bus scenario where they're letting us pick everything. So that's really really right. Cool. So they're handing over control because they trust you at this point. I, absolutely, they okay, they've taken that's both. Cool. They, yeah, it's it's really cool. You yeah. know, they'll, they'll have seen two or three of our homes and say, you know what. Do something like this, but make it custom, make it different, and don't go over budget. And gotcha. So, gotcha. so you know, we've had a few projects like that. Um, you know, we're we're working with more and more. Um, I would say more and more suppliers out of Kelowna now, as as the companies grow and and our client base grows as well too. Where we've got projects, and I would say our build area has gone anywhere in the last twenty four months from Salmon Arm to West Kelowna. Okay. On the multifamily side. Um, Soth, we're we're just starting to get some some big traction. Our first project was uh, Willows, Willows at the Creek, which is by Fulton Secondary School. We've got uh, several of the units sold on our out of eleven units, and most of that was uh, family investments, small investments of uh, fifty thousand dollars. Another investment of a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Harpreet, um, the business partner with Soth, was able to structure the financing and um you know allowed for family and friends to get into a multifamily level um without having to to go through the whole process so i right. think between his background of being a real estate lawyer and and we we both come from families that have been around construction and development we were able to um we were able to get this thing going fast uh we've got four fourplexes that we're building in Lumbee. we've got some multifamily coming up around the okanagan or okanagan landing area Got um, several other sites that we're looking at. Uh, Kelowna, we've got some multifamily construction coming. So, the the engine's going, but it's it's also getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. So you're you're 
constantly trying to harness back as well because you don't want to scale at a point that you can't sustain. That's right. I think I think the mount uh, really what dictates how we're doing is our ability to take on the work in the current market and our ability to continue to stay busy if, if the market changes. Right. Um, which I think overall we are, you know, we're, we're very conscious of costing. So it's very important that we, we want to offer the end user a product, which I think you've seen Willows in the Creek. Yep. The yep. idea is to go into some of the neighborhoods we think maybe maybe the future neighborhoods and start building you know nice buildings now instead of going into an area and, and thinking it has to be vinyl because everybody else is vinyl say well is this is this going to be the case because in three four years this neighborhood could turn around right you know we we believe you know harpreet's originally from fulton he believed in that area and um you know we built a, a nice product yeah and, and totally. the feedback has been amazing people don't expect to see the hard countertops or the hardwood flooring or the the higher nine foot ceilings but we want to be able to build products that sell and that we're proud of and um you know, you don't want to be caught in musical chairs in the Okanagan. If the music stops, you still want to hang on to something you can unload. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're not trying to, like, you know, join an oversaturated market already. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying to make, you know, strategic placements in town and set yourself up as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We, again, being from the community helps. Um, we've had local people reach out to us and say, are you going to, do anything in this area um, and you know recently we had somebody that saw one of our jobs and uh, at Willows and said are you building anything by seat and we said actually yeah we are we're putting up a fourplex so they're already on the wait list for that and um, you know going working with the city of Lumbee um, or sorry I guess the village of Lumbee and you know they they had a need for affordable housing so we sat down with council and said what is it that you need and you know within a month we are well on the way to building four fourplexes affordable housing stratified units you can buy the uh, the lower basement units 600 square feet for sale you own it outright so oh, so basically restructuring how we do some of the development because of heartbeats background and because of uh you know santera and sat's design side we're able to build units we're going to have islands that have wheels on them so for if it's a tight space you can move your island aside otherwise oh, you pull it back cool. in the middle you know things like that um on-demand hot water tank it takes up less less space we can hang it on a wall in a closet so that you know it's getting fun again because we're able to like the, the whole idea of designing affordable housing i like that to be able to build something that i'm proud of and move it at a price point that allows someone to get home ownership that that's a big win well and it's kind of cool to see someone that's in sort of what most people would consider luxury housing like you're building a lot of these multi-million dollar homes and then you know still you're thinking about the people of the community as well and how you design affordable housing so that all rungs of of society can you know reach what you're trying to what you're trying to build that's really uh, cool absolutely you know and, and shopping but at the end of the day it's it's everybody starts somewhere i mean the buy the you know the buyer's buying that 600 square foot unit in Lumbee might be the guy building the two million dollar house in 10 years in in, in Lumbee or somewhere else exactly. so exactly. you know everybody starts somewhere and i think if you can offer value at any price point then you're still doing what you believe in yeah yeah and you, it seems like you're trying to tap into that market because i know a lot of you know a lot of my friends we're not quite at the point um, i'm in my mid-20s and we're trying to we're trying to break into the market and i don't necessarily want to buy a $450,000 single family home that needs a ton of work. Mm -hmm. Like even just two years ago, that same home costed 350. It's a little <laughs> less of a barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not the most handy guy. So I, you know, I don't have the lifestyle that maybe my parents did. They wanted to buy something cheap, throw some sweat equity in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to establish myself as a professional and I want a home that's ready to go. 
yeah. that's ready to serve the lifestyle need that I have. Um, but it's tough. And I think that's why it's moving into the strata. So is that a strategic move as well? You know, not just singling yourself out for single family, but also multifamily is going to become bigger in, in Vernon, just like it did in Kelowna as single family homes got more un- unaffordable. Uh, absolutely. You're bang on. I think that's the future for sure. Um, it, I mean, it's already here, I guess. It's not even a secret. You're yeah. seeing more and more it's just infill not as common sites. Yet. Just not as common. Uh, you're seeing more and more infill sites getting taken down and fourplexes popping up around right. East Hill, Seaton, and some of those areas. You're going to start seeing them, I think, more and more because it, uh, you know, ultimately what we're finding is that uh, clients are willing to give up space, but not necessarily quality. Yeah. You know, they still want to have a hard surface countertop, a nice kitchen sink, stainless steel appliances, but they're okay if their living room is two feet smaller than it was before. Right. They're okay giving up, a, you know, those things. So I think the future is definitely going to be an affordable multifamily as more and more younger couples come back to the Okanagan entrepreneurs. They, they're going to want home ownership. Yeah. Um, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm hearing stories of of people from Vancouver that have been putting away money aside or have been putting money aside for three, four years and they've got 50 to a hundred K. Well, that doesn't get them anything in down payment in no, Vancouver. So no. they're starting to buy in the Okanagan and rent out their houses in the Okanagan and, and continue renting in Vancouver and starting to save up again for another house in three years in the Okanagan. Right. Cause home ownership doesn't have to mean in your city. It could be in anywhere. Home ownership is home ownership. So exactly. We're starting to see people just start to reevaluate their, their own beliefs of what they, thought was success as well you know having to own a house and owning your own house no you don't have to own your house i mean you just have everything you're doing has to make sense as a as a as a as a model it doesn't have to start with home ownership that's really cool so i want to throw back a little bit uh i was really intrigued that you were big into sports and stuff like that growing up now with your playing basketball and stuff like that were you a competitive kid I was very competitive, yeah. Now, what kind of competitive? Now, I've I've heard there's a few different types of competitiveness. There's there's some people that are, um, I forget who I heard this from. I think it was Danny Meyer, who's the restaurateur in the states. He was mm-hmm. uh, just listening to something he was saying about that. But there's some people that are competitive. They'll compete, but they don't really worry about it. There's other people that compete because you know they wanna they wanna crush the competition. They want to destroy the other person and beat the other person. There's other people that compete because they love to win. Mm-hmm. And they want to win, and the la- the other people are competing because they don't like to lose. They hate to lose, and they just compete because they don't want to be the one that's on the bottom. Which one do you think you fall under? You know, I'm I'm that's a great question. Um, it's it's interesting. I I'm going to use that to kind of segue into another part after, but. Ultimately, for myself, uh, even for basketball, I mean, I'm not the tallest guy. Yeah. So for me, playing basketball was a mind game. You know, so I needed to, to know how to use my mind. So for me, I love sports, the mental side of it. Right. You know, because if any of the, the great athletes, physical, that, that's natural. I mean, you look at guys like Allen Iverson. He's, he was so gifted naturally, and he was so strong mentally. But physically, he didn't put the time in the rest of the ball players did. So that was where he ran short. But for me, it was, I'm, I'm a mental competitor because I think that that was the way I was, you know, back in high school. And that's still the way I am now. So for me, competition doesn't always have to be physical. That's why as a builder, if I'm mentally competing with everybody and I'm just constantly seeing where they're at, that's all I need. I don't need to say anything bad about anybody. That's where you get physical or verbal or so forth. But I, I think for myself, I don't mind losing because I, I think there, there's a huge lessons in losing. 
you know, for myself with, with my company, I think that had we not, you know, gone through some restructuring, you know, four or five years ago, you know, it would have been no need to go through it if everything was going smooth. So for me, I'm the type of competitor that just wants to keep competing. That's not as fussed about winning or losing. It's more it. about learning. So know? can you give us an example of something that you've lost in when you started your business or, or even, you know, five years into your business, you know, you had a loss you had to recover from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, again, no problem being very transparent. I think at the very beginning, um, when Santerra first started and we started rolling, I was the project manager, I was the accountant, I was the bookkeeper, I was, yeah, I was, I, the, I was the interior designer. So, yeah. you know, our, our clients and I really connected. I had the time. And then at that point, you know, up until about, I was managing four to six houses, I still had that one-on-one. But soon as uh, those clients went and told other clients, you got to work with Santerra, you got to work with Santerra. You know, if they all told two or three legitimate uh, potential clients, all of a sudden I jumped to about 15 clients in a year. Right, that same referral process same, almost. Same, same structure, no project <laughs> managers, and, and I got overwhelmed. And being that I had kind of started the company on my own and never had any employees, I didn't even know what an employee would do. So I, I waited about a year too long to start bringing in staff. So I think there was a two-year window where I was understaffed and overcommitted. Gotcha. So major loss, you know, because all of a sudden the reason a lot of the clients signed up with you was because of the one-on-one. And now, you know, I'm on site talking to a plumber and I get a call from, you know, John Smith, the client, and, and I can't take his call because I'm dealing with the plumber. Then I'm like, I'm like, I'm losing the essence of what got me here. Mm -hmm. and, I, and so I quickly put the brakes on right, and okay. I started turning down work for a year. Even though I didn't have a lot of it, I needed to fix what I needed. You know, internally. I needed to re yeah, internally. So there was a period of time where I, I would say I probably turned down about 20 different houses in a year. Because I, it's not that I didn't want the work. I just knew that I just I needed to change how I was doing it, and that would have been definitely about three years ago. Um, and now again, you know, ten, 10 staff, you know, so yeah, and 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 they're all doing very well, and they've been all, you know, they all have the benefits of the things that didn't work because those are that's why they were brought in to kind of deal with what they do best. And for myself, I still get one on one with the clients. I have a better relationship with them now. Um, when they're calling me on a weekend, I, it, it's a great conversation. Sometimes it's not even about work. You know, yeah. versus you know, are they calling me because you know they couldn't get a hold of somebody? And you know, I it, they're the, I don't. The, most of the calls are not even work calls anymore um, because we have a system in place for them to get answers and get answers fast. We have a policy in place when it comes to bookkeeping. If, if a client asks a question about an accounting matter, they have to have an answer within the same business day. Okay. Because if we're saying we're transparent, then prove we're transparent. So with all of those systems in place, it, it allows the clients to still have channels to direct any questions, frustrations, anything they're happy about, not happy about, and not always be I'm not always that person that gets those phone calls yeah yeah it's very cool now personally I'm gonna switch it up a little bit again but personally you you clearly you have a smartphone it plays a little a big role in in your business and and networking and everything like that what would you say is the app that you use the most interesting question mr. David you know what I um, the app that I use the most personally or like as a team or no personally so like is it your native text message platform is it your phone call app is it Facebook is it Instagram is it something I'm, that we've never even heard of 
No, I mean, the, I think as a, as a team, we're using BIMX, which is that software, which is huge. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a big sales tool. It's a big design tool. Myself, my platform has become a little more, it's, it's a little different than other builders. Like for myself, our clients follow me all day, not necessarily Sunterra all day, yeah. which is a little different from what other builders do. Though You'll follow so-and-so building group and they'll only post building stuff. My clients know what I'm up to all day. So I don't know, like Shelby, I know you know the that because you follow big yeah. personal brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Instagram so, presence is there, like you yeah. Know, but that's cool because I was I was actually gonna touch on that because you're you're humanizing your company. You're not only you know putting forward Santera, you're putting forward who Ranvir is. Yeah, I think that's a, a fundamental edge because a lot of people will just coast on the name that they've built up. But you know, I can go on your Instagram and I can see your story and I, I kind of like know what you're doing all day or you're showing me different projects you're working on. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. So social media has come in pretty handy for you. Yeah, Instagram has been big. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of given me some of the fun back as well too. Yeah. It, it it allows a lot of our clients to interact with each other without even knowing it. Sometimes I've got, you know, I might I might leave a particular client's house and you know just catch a snippet of the kitchen that just went in, and all of a sudden I get a. a a text from a client that's sitting in Edmonton saying, Hey, I love what you guys are doing at that last house. Can we do the same kitchen? Or I love their backsplash. Right, so right, it's actually right. allowed clients to start interacting, you know, with our other projects as well. And, and, you know, I've got a client that that's coming down from Toronto and he's like, Hey, I really want to see these two houses that you're working on because I've been following them for the last month. So right. that that's cool on the business side, but on the personal side, it, it is exactly that it's, I mean, I'm up early mornings and it allows my clients to see that I'm up in the morning. I, I live I live for what I'm doing right now, without a doubt. Um, but, you know, my balance is my family, my friends. And, and that is that is my motivation of what I'm doing awesome. anyway. So ultimately for, for myself, um, I use that platform. And just like you said, it's I am still who I am. I mean, if I listen to hip hop music, my clients know then they know I listen to hip hop music. I don't yeah. I've got nothing to hide. And for myself, again, my relationships are becoming more real with my clients because I think that, that, you know, it's the whole vulnerability thing. Well, everybody's got a story of some sort. Everybody's been through some hardships or whatever they've been through, but people don't connect on those anymore because we're so defensive about them. But I find with our clients, I have some of the greatest conversations I've had outside of the fact that we're building their home. Because when you're able to say, this is who I am, then they appreciate that. They appreciate it. They're that. attracted to the authentic- authenticity. I yeah. think so. And I think for the clients, you know, like this is this. I mean, I'm covered in tattoos as well, too. I mean, I, I'll i tell you, like I when I first got into construction and I was kind of still in my my mid 20s and I had tattoos, I would wear long sleeve shirts to, to go meet clients for the first time. Didn't want to be judged. Right. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't take my dad with me. And, uh, you know, my dad's got this turban, big white beard. And now my dad goes with me to meet clients. This is this is what you're getting. This is a family deal. This is what we you know believe who in. We are, yeah. And this is who we are. So I'd rather you if it's an issue. I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not by no means playing the racist card. I mean I I've been very fortunate. This town's been amazing. Um, but ultimately for me it's like who I am is who I am. And and that is who you're gonna get from the get go. And that helps again manage expectations of either you like what you see or you don't and it's okay for both of us to not be on the same page. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're not only active in that in that community space through your Instagram, uh, but you're also very active with charity work. So, 
the Bollywood uh, <laughs> fundraiser just yeah. sold out. I just found out, unfortunately. Uh, but so tell us about that, and, and maybe tell us any other charitable stuff that you have going on. But I think that's one of your big ones, is it not? It, it is, and uh, you know I've got to give credit to my sister Delvier, who's who's a counselor in the hall, I guess I should say. Um, you know, my, I'm very fortunate that I come from a family that believes heavily in giving. Um, they, you know, I would probably say I was the last person to catch on. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, I, I lived a very selfish life as a, as a youngster um, back in the day. But certainly my, my dad has always given back to the community. My mom has always believed, you know, religiously and, and spiritually and so forth that she believes that you get 10 times back what you give. She's, she's, she said that my entire life. And, you know, I, I've got examples of times where that's true. You know, I, I don't, um, money doesn't play a major part of what we do. And I, and I want to be careful in that. My, money matters because money is another commodity. It's another, it allows you to do something. Absolutely. You know, and what that, what you do with it is up to you. And that you might need money to get freedom and freedom might be what you're working towards and family time and so forth. But ultimately, the way that I look at it is that, you know what, I've, I've always been able to give and feel good about giving back. And I've also been given too when I needed it. Yeah. So it's never been a one-sided thing. So when you feel the, the way that that motion works and you believe in energy and you believe in positivity, it's really easy to actually believe in that stuff because you feel it, you see it. So for myself, my sister has always been a huge advocate of giving back. And, you know, she went and, um, you know, she, she was diagnosed with cancer about five years ago, um, breast cancer, which for a young you know, single female, really hard to deal with. Not, I mean, for that matter, hard for anybody. And um, she turned it around. I mean, she she raised almost fifty thousand dollars over a course of a weekend, just going to Vancouver and canvassing money. And um, then she she kind of pitched the idea of Bollywood, um, the Bollywood Bang being a fundraiser in Vernon. And um, you know, <laughs> we thought it was a kind of a crazy idea. There was no sponsors, and we said, "Well, let's just do it." We kind of put up the money ourselves for it, right? And um, it it caught it caught on. A lot of our friends and networks that we reached out to bought tickets. A lot of people from Vancouver came down to support it, and uh, I, I would say it's probably become one of the go-to events of the year in in Vernon. Oh, it definitely yeah. is. You see, I think just that's an understatement. Yeah, just the <laughs> social media stuff that you see on it, yeah. it's crazy, man. Yeah. Like I know, um, I think it was. I think Kunal was there last year, was he not? He was, yeah. Indy Cup, and yeah. you just see him plastering all over social media. I yeah. saw Anuch was there yeah. as well, and like, man, the the social media aspect of it was was big. It was all over the place. How yeah, many years fantastic. have you guys done this for? You know, there was one year that was skipped, but this one here, oh, she's gonna kill me if I get this wrong. This would probably be the fourth <laughs> Bollywood bang. Fourth no, fi- Bollywood. Sorry, the one coming up is gonna be the fifth. The one coming up yeah, is gonna, gonna be, be the, the fifth. fifth in six years. Okay, now, yeah. and how many tickets? Because you guys have fluctuated with the tickets from what I. I've been told like the last one that you guys did was upwards of a thousand people and you thought it was too much so now you've scaled down how many are we doing this year uh this year is going to be about 750 800 is the cap yeah. uh the reason being not not that we want to raise less money this year which i'm like what are you doing are, are we trying to raise less money <laughs> um but the business side of me i'm like wait we're even if it was charity charities want to raise money yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately this year we we peeled it back. Um, the number one, you know, there was, you know, obviously we're, we're in anything, you're, you're always open to feedback. The feedback we got was the event was amazing. Everything was on point. It was a little crowded. So we're like, okay. And then that was sort of the, um, oh, that was the conversation out. that kept coming back um, over and over. And ultimately, so I would say that we, 
Um, we peeled it back to give a better experience. Now we did raise the, the ticket price to, to help offset some of those costs, but it um, the decision was made so that the people that were there didn't have that feeling. Right. You know. Yeah. No, so a thousand people fair. in Vernon, you're gonna get a few hundred seats that also aren't that desirable. You start getting cut off angles and corners and, and walkways, and I think just eliminating that will really open up that. Uh, well, you want the value to be there for yeah. what the people are paying. So now exactly. remind me again. So the 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 ticket prices rose a little bit, but uh, the minute they went on sale, how long did it take for them to sell out? <laughs> I think uh, 12 to 13 minutes, the tickets were gone. Holy so you yeah, sold hundreds crazy. of tickets in 13 minutes. So that's that just, in, 13, yeah. in my opinion, goes to show the, the yeah. power of this because there isn't an event in town that sells out in no, no, 20 minutes. No, for a small city less like than 20 yeah. minutes. It, it, it's phenomenal. It, it, it's such a great time, too, and I think it's such a... I mean, again, you know what, my, she, my sister, she's such a visionary. She, every time she came up with an idea and I told her that's crazy, she's outdone it. <laughs> so it's like, I just stopped saying shit. Yeah. Like she'll be like, yeah. oh, next year I want to do it outside. I'll be like, you know, you do where you want to do it because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. And you're going to pull it off, therefore I'm going to back off. But Yeah, the execution's there. <laughs> yeah, the execution's there. But it, it's such a fun event. I don't know how else to describe it. Like last year, um, one of my really good friends, Sunny and myself, MC the event. Sunny Gackle? Uh, no, Sunny Dollywell. So oh, they, Sunny they own, yeah, they're, they own a furniture store in oh, Sunny. Okay, yeah. Um, but him and I MC it. We, we, we MC a lot of weddings together because we grew up with the same crowd and, and all of our friends getting married. And what we usually do there is we, we wing everything we do. We're not, we're never prepared. And um, so we just kind of get into it with the crowd a little bit. So we're not your normal MCs. You know, we don't come in there with an agenda other than we have to MC. Let's just get this done. Right? Yeah, so, totally, totally. So we, we kind of wing it. And I think the crowd likes the interaction. Um, the, the fact that everyone dresses out in Indian outfits and suits and it's just it's a phenomenal night and last year I remember the the energy of the crowd as they started moving in you know I was kind of sitting I was at the on the stage and it's like 10 o'clock and everybody wants to dance and they're just the, the mobs coming in on me and as soon as they opened up the floodgates I'd say you had 350 400 people on a dance floor Wow. So <laughs> well, tell you what, I love I love to dance, so I'm yeah. definitely looking forward. I, I I happen to be lucky and I got some tickets this year, so uh, I'm uh, I'm super your, super excited to go. Date, man. Oh man. It's already it's already reserved for my yeah. mom. Sorry, dude. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, man, like this time of the year you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of people reaching out. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Really uh really looking forward to that and yeah. um yeah, any any last uh words of wisdom, words of advice, yeah. anything you want to leave with anybody? Uh, you know what I, I you know one of the things that uh, I, I did I guess want to touch upon a little bit and I, I think that was one of the things W had brought up earlier was the, the in terms of why Vernon you know why did I stay I think that uh, it's interesting you know growing up in Vernon that I could I would say that I've probably lost about a dozen to 15 close friends to drugs and that weighs heavily on you so I think that, you know, there, there is a, a side of me, a competitor in there, I think a mental one that would wants to see Vernon succeed, succeed. Yep. You know, I'm from Vernon. I believe in Vernon um, wholeheartedly. What one of the things that a lot of people don't know is a lot of the people that work with us internally, we believe investing in a lot of the young people in Vernon. We've got um, some of the guys that played with us were, were kids that I hired simply because I, I knew that they were good kids. They didn't have any background in anything. They, you know, they came from a competitive background. They played basketball. I already knew they knew how to work under structure and they, they would do well. And, you know, they would be able to be moved into different positions and, and just do well 
personally in their lives, most importantly, and also with us as a business. So I think that, uh, I think that, you know, for most businesses, if you could find a way to keep some of the young talent here, um, I think that would be great. I know that's easier said than done, but I think that's one of the things that Harpreet and I believe in as, as a whole is that we want to see, we want to see talent stay in Vernon. There's a lot of amazing talent in Vernon that has to leave, unfortunately. Yeah. There's yeah. no naturally, uh, career, naturally. And uh, I think that's a shame. I see a lot of them wanting to come back, you know, in their later years and they left cause they, not cause they wanted to, they left cause they, there was no opportunities. Yeah. Or they felt yeah. they had to. And or they felt they had to. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's totally something that Shelby yeah. and I, completely agree with mm-hmm. you on and yeah. that's one of the reasons main reasons for this podcast is, yeah we is were to excited expose, to have you on because yeah. of that yeah is to expose people like yourself yeah. and, and and your whole family and mm-hmm. and what you guys are doing to to make this place better because i i do see the the change just in i mean i've only been in vernon for 10 years professionally i've only mm-hmm. been in vernon for about two three years like in the working environment and seeing what's going on but the growth that has happened just in the last yeah, few years yeah. has been absolutely incredible to see. So I really think that um, collectively we can all put our put our heads together, put our, our hard work ethics together, and and build something incredible here in this town because um, it does deserve it. I total, totally agree with you. Absolutely, man. I, I totally uh, totally agree with you. I think that uh, I think the Okanagan it's our time. I feel yeah. that way. I think it's our time to not only retain talent but also bring in talent yes totally. of all age groups like this doesn't the okanagan doesn't need to be the mecca of retirement it, it it's no. there's so many reasons to to raise your kids here there's so many reasons to stay here there's so many reasons to to invest here and i think that uh more you know young guys like you that are bringing awareness it's amazing and so i i appreciate what you guys are doing yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Let's make yeah. it big. Yeah. We really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Cool, man. man. Um, it was it was cool to hear your story. Yeah. Um, I really respect, especially the transparency side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, huge respect, and and you know, I, I already have experience with you. We have mm-hmm. mutual clients, and yeah. you know, so far they're they're very happy, and and you know, I looked up your website. I looked up your website without even knowing you first, and I was like, <laughs> "This is the guy that I want to meet. This is the yeah. guy that they're going to connect with." I just, I, I had a feeling. Mm-hmm. We met with three builders, and they chose you right off the bat. You know, like they texted me, and you know, I said, "Oh, like should we even meet with them tomorrow?" You, yeah. you were the first ones we met, yeah. and they were like, uh, "Honestly, I feel like we found our let's let's do the meeting <laughs> with this other builders, but we we found our guy. I'm pretty yeah. sure." So uh, I really respect you, man, and what you're doing. I love that you've carved out a niche for yourself and you continue to give back to the community. So, uh, you know, huge props and, and thanks for cool. thanks for coming on to the platform, man. Really awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you guys for watching and listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. If you guys cool. like this, like and share, comment. Thank you. And thanks a lot, guys.